The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. This episode is brought to you by TweakedAudio.com. Get headphones, earbuds, and accessories from TweakedAudio.com. Just enter the discount code CAFCOMICS, that's all one word at the checkout. You'll get 33% off your entire order, free worldwide shipping, and a limited lifetime warranty on everything you buy. That's TweakedAudio.com. And now... It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Hey, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. Now, we are in a waiting week, basically. It's a holding pattern. Yeah. We, we saw From From Home last week. We uh, loved we, it. We all loved it. It's very spoiler-heavy. I've talked to many people who said, yes, I've downloaded that and I'm saving it until I can get to Spider-Man Far From Home because, uh, yeah, we, yeah. Let, we let the spoilers fly. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, I've listened to other podcasts occasionally and I don't know how anyone can have a podcast about movies like that mm. and then be like, all right, we're not going to talk about spoilers. We're just going to talk about the movie. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> it's like half the movie, this movie in particular. Yeah. With the end, I think you could talk about performances and right. style it's and pacing. A, I want a deep can't. dive. Give me those deep dives. Yeah, Spoil the shit know, out of it. Yeah, but the movie lives and dies by its ending, so that's it's true. very hard to not talk about the ending. But that's how you become a professional. Is that critic. what we are? Because you know, no, <laughs> no, not in the least. Because we no. talk about spoilers immediately. Immediately. No, if you were writing for a newspaper, remember when they when they were newspapers? Say you were Roger. Oh, Ebert, right. Yeah. And you were in Chicago, and it was the seventies, and it was a different time. He didn't give away the endings to movies in his right. reviews. He wouldn't be like, and Luke's father is Darth Vader. You know, yeah. he's not doing this. Yeah, I read his review of 89 Batman. He's not like when Jack Nicholson hits the ground at the end. Right, <laughs> yeah. And they take out the little laughing thing now. I'm giving yeah. a spoiler away for Tim Burton. Well, so Far From Home uh, is out now. It is great. It is the reason I haven't seen other things like Toy Story 4. Oh, you still haven't uh, seen Toy no, Story No, I haven't. In yeah. fact, we were talking about it today and oh, the not kid everybody was camping, wanted though, to go. so... Yeah, yeah. My oldest just came back, so we were going to see Toy Story 4, so he didn't want to. So my youngest is seeing Secret Life of Pets, and we just said, great, because we yeah, don't no want to. No one else to. wants to see those terrible movies. No, but I uh, – and then didn't see Dark Phoenix. I think Dark Phoenix may be the only X-Men movie I haven't gone to see um, in the theater. I mean, I saw – No, did you see the first Wolverine movie in theaters? Yes, uh, oh, wow. Against My Wishes. Oh, okay. Renee, Renee wanted to go. Oh, well, and I'm like, Hugh every, I was like, everybody says this is terrible. And yeah. she's like, no, we're yeah, going. Hugh Jackman doesn't wear a shirt for most of that movie. So. And he's gigantic. In yeah. It. Uh, oh, there was an interesting thing talking about actors in superhero shape. Yeah. So people were body shaming Jason Momoa. What? Yeah, because there was like a picture of him on the beach and he kind of had a gut. And they were like, Jason Momoa got really fat. And uh, and then it came out. It was like, it was like you don't know how quickly you lose your abs yeah like when you're training for a superhero movie they're like you're on no carbs you're training three four months a day they're like every actor as soon as they say it's a wrap right like they gain 15 they stop, pounds yeah they stop all the crazy dieting and insane they're exercising. not walking around in that kind of shape right yeah I, I anyone who thinks any of these guys are jacked all the time like maybe the rock is but he's like a. He's essentially like a bodybuilder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that it's means like, he's never not doing it. He's that's always his, working out. That's kind of his brand. Right. But Jason Momoa is like going to drink beer again. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, so 
Yeah, it's like uh, Robert Downey Jr. We were saying before, like once he stopped making solo Iron Man movies, he stopped taking his shirt off. Yeah. You know, because I remember in um, Iron Man 1, he was like, oh, we worked the schedule so I could eat pasta again. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, like during the movie, you can't eat anything? That's crazy. And like all I really want to eat are carbs. I know. I'm like uh, bread and pasta. I'm like, I had pasta last night. I'm probably going to have pasta again tonight. I'm like, let's let's do it. Yeah, I'm not bad on fat. I'm not bad on uh, grease. I'm not bad on meat. I'm not great on sugar. Like, I kind of want dessert after everything, but I don't yeah. overeat. But, man, everything's carbs, and I'm always, like, like 10 pounds more than I want to be. Doughy. I always feel doughy. I, yeah, I just feel bloated. I mean, for my age, I I'm, I don't look bad at all. Yeah. Uh, if I wasn't just getting gray and worried lines all over <laughs> my face. I, I did notice there was a clear demarcation point when people stopped saying, you're, you're how old? You look great. People used to say that to me all the time. Oh, and you don't hear that anymore? They just stopped. Oh, wow. Do you know when that was? <laughs> uh, it was after 40. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I got a couple more years. Because I, I do remember people saying, wow, you're 40? Wow, you don't look 40. Yeah. And now I'm 47. and No one people, uh, no people says anything anymore. about my age. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Uh, but there were, uh, ne- and this week is going to be San Diego Comic-Con. So next week is just going to be like, oh my God, did you hear this guy's writing this book? And they announced yeah. all of these movies. And then I will take over the conversation for 25 minutes and go, well, here's 75 Marvel Legends. Yeah, but I kind of want to know what they're going to announce. You do know. Yeah, it. I do. You do want to know, but I you, see you it. don't want to buy them. No, I don't. Well, I've been pushed even further into the action figure uh, dark web it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't take much you know you're just like a well that's, you just need a slight tip well that's what i'm learning the last few months you know i've been talking about the mezco 112s which are like 80 bucks a pop um but they're really worth it and then uh i was at mr wayne's uh this past weekend mike who's been on the show who we gotta have back very very soon yeah it's so surprised he hasn't been back um yet. oh we he we had the greatest story ever i was there f- this friday night and he was getting me to buy more of the Mafex, the Metacom figures. Like, they're, they have a whole... He's a pusher. Dark. He is definitely a pusher. And then I trade stuff, and I'm like, well, I'm only really paying like 10 bucks for this guy. Right. But then I get home, and I'm like, and there's 11 more of them. Yeah. Um, but I got a Dark Knight Joker and a Batman Begins Batman, and they're like, they're gorgeous Japanese imports, and they're like 60 bucks, but they, they pose like Marvel Legends, but the sculpting's like hot toys. It's just evil. But, <laughs> but while I was hanging out there, this guy came in, and he's just like, this like 60-year-old guy, and he comes in with his friend, and they're just telling stories, and they're just, it's, it's the kind of Chicago type of guy that comes in and just starts telling you stories with out asking if you want to hear them. Yeah. You know, it's a very Chicago thing. It's you, uh, my dad is that guy. <laughs> yeah, like they just, they yeah. kind of walk in in the middle of a conversation. But he was a pleasant guy and he was entertaining. He's telling stories about like how he and his friend would do makeup in the 70s and the first time they saw Star Wars and how blown away they were. And then in the middle of this, yeah, he just goes, and so I'm working one of the robot penguins in Batman Returns, but you guys don't want to hear about that. And we Wait were, a minute. <laughs> That's, and that's when both Mike Kaplan and I went, no, we want to hear about that. the fuck up. So he was, it turns out he was a makeup guy in Hollywood through the entire 90s. Okay. And he just starts telling us stories about being on the set of Batman Returns. Yeah. And it's, and like, I didn't even get the guy's name. And at the end I was like, we were like, you got good stories. You should be on a podcast. He was like, yeah, yeah. And he kept talking and walked out the door. <sighs> and Mike's like, he comes in here a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Get like, that guy's number. <laughs> I was like, but I didn't know he did any of this. Yeah. So he, he's telling he's telling stories that he, he worked Penguin number 33. <laughs> 
on the Tim Burton. He was like, the whole thing was big and it was huge and real. He's like, they they kept saying like, he's like, one of my friends stole Penguin's hand. Wow. He's like, Danny DeVito ripped off one of the hands and threw it on the floor and he just like stuck it in his pocket. Yeah. He's like, we were trying to steal a penguin. I would steal anything from that yeah. set. And, and like, I, I was, uh, I was supposed to meet. I was supposed to be Joe Pakovitz for like a drink and I showed up two hours late and I'm like, yeah, I met a guy who, Sorry. <laughs> who worked on Batman Returns. Uh, I'm, I sat and listened to him. I was just going to listen to him and talk as long as he wanted to. Yeah. He, oh, he just, so he, he told this great story about how, um, you know, they're like 50 penguins. He said they basically hired every makeup guy in Hollywood because all of those penguins were robots. Yeah. I don't know if you knew that. They couldn't control real penguins. Yeah. Much less put nuclear missiles on them. Right. Um, so he said they basically had everybody like working cables and there's like a hundred guys. And he said, uh, and he goes, uh, he said, this one guy, they're like, uh, penguin number 33. Is there something wrong with your robot? And the guy's like, yeah, it's a little sticky. The cable's not working that well. I don't know if we can uh, fix that out. The next day that guy was gone and they went up to the guy we talked to and he's like, you're penguin 33 now. Wow. And then he's like working and he's like, yeah, it doesn't really work. And they're like, penguin 33 is something wrong. Nope. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. It's great. All good here. Yeah. And they were like, everybody's trying to keep Penguin's makeup under wraps and Danny DeVito smoking outside his trailer. Just like, ah! Does Danny DeVito still smoke? Uh, this is 92, so probably not, because yeah. he's alive. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's in cigarettes. his 70s now. Is he really? Good God. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, yeah, he's got to be around 70. Yeah. Like, maybe maybe 68 Whew. at earliest, but, you know, he Taxi was in the 70s. Yeah. He was in One Flow of the Cuckoo's Nest. Right. I mean, he's been around. He has. Um, yeah, so I uh, heard fascinating stories, and then then I was like, uh, yeah, I'll take that Heath Ledger joke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After all this. But I'm getting, I'm getting, like, deeper and deeper into this stuff now, where it's just like, I- I'm realizing that I have zero tolerance for price when it comes to an action figure. It's, yeah, it doesn't seem well. I, I, uh, let's not try to find your limit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't like, think there is one. No, I know, but you have like a mortgage and children. <laughs> yeah, so. but I also have rooms to keep putting. <laughs> That's true. You do have the room for it. Dozens. <clears throat> well, I'm over a thousand. That's a lot. Like, I have an action figure collection that rivals most people's comic book collection. Yes. Uh, I, ha- I pretty much get them every week because they keep releasing them. Um, and I've realized that. Uh, we put the Mafex um, Joker and Batman Begins up. Uh, I have been posting what I call adult boy dollhouse on the Facebook page. Yeah, it's, it's a fair description. Yeah, it's this Nika street scene diorama, which I actually showed Mike at Mr. Wayne's. He was like, oh, I'm going to have to get one for the store because it's, it's this basic building. I think it was my greatest thing in the week. Yeah. But it's 18 inches tall. It's 12 inches deep. It's like two feet wide. You can put like 40 action figures on it, and it's like a brick city building. So any superhero works. So I've been using that as a display, so I've been put all the live action up, up there. So then I put the Mafex next to the uh, the Mattel ones that they made for the Nolan trilogy. So yeah. like the Dark Knight figures they released in 2008, and then the Dark Knight Rises, uh, all of those. And they did. There's a good like 30 characters Mattel did between those three movies. But then you put the... You put the Batman next to it, and you're like, oh, well, I guess now I need another Scarecrow right. and another Bane. Well, yeah, I think that's the thing, is it's like, uh, on their own, the older figures compared to these like Mezco figures, they're fine. P- putting them next to it, it's like, hmm. Yeah, but I, I, price has not deterred me at all. Like those, I bought most of those for $10. I know the Dark Knights were exactly $10. Yeah. I, I clearly remember that in 2008. 
And then, so, so if you tell me this figure is $10, I will buy it. If you then tell me, well, this figure is $100. Right. Apparently, I will buy that, still too. still buy it, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there is a quality difference, but still. Yeah, but there's, there's no limit. So, I mean, I have, I have talked myself out of omnibuses. I have. Oh, yeah, that's, see, that's I'm, my, like, uh, it's hard to, I'll pass on a fair amount of them, but I'm, I'm probably getting, you know, uh, four to six of these things every year. Yeah, that's... Um, well, they put out... They used to just put out, they like, put out one like, three a month. a month. Now it's, like, three a month. So yeah. it's, like, they must be selling well enough to keep putting them out. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's just, like, a lot of stuff. We keep talking... We were talking about that Peter David Incredible Hulk run's never been collected, and that was finally and now solicited. That's and it's, solicited, like, you said, yeah. it's gonna be three or four volumes, and I'm, like, just spread it out, guys, you know? Yeah, I'm gonna sell off a few omnibuses because I was, like, you know, I'm not that big an Avengers fan. Do I need half a shelf of Avengers? And I, I just reread the Kurt Busiek run, and I'm like, that was good. Yeah. I've read now read it twice. I'm probably not going to oh, read it Oh, dude, that's again. like my favorite of all time. I'm looking at my shelf and be like, I'm going to read that Kurt Busiek run again. And I'm like, dude, you have all this other shit you've never read before. Yeah, read no, this but, stuff first. Yeah, but that that's also a different taste because like the Roger Stern Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I'm going to – I dropped it one night. And it's got like a crack and I had to like tape part of it. Yeah, that's hard. I was, I was trying to take it out of the nightstand with one hand. Oh, and yeah. Those are two handbooks. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you know what? Uh, the cat was sleeping on me. Yeah. And I was I was like, I really want to read that Roger Stern on us. And I reached for it. I was like, I got it. I yeah, got yeah. it. I got it. And it like flipped in the air. Yeah. And like just smushed one of the corners. and better. Well, better to smush a corner than land open and jack up all the pages. Yeah. You know I mean? It's yeah. like that couldn't that could have gone worse. But that I'll read over and over again yeah. like the john Byrne fantastic four i'll read over oh and yeah over again. those i'll read many no. a time so there were a few news stories there were some uh there were some slight news stories that are worth covering i think the um two american legends one celebrated a big birthday yes a birthday well actually at his age every birthday is a big birthday yeah everyone and then, make two and then one passed away so like One's happy, one's sad. It was yeah. Harrison Ford's birthday. Well, we don't know if he's happy. He doesn't seem like a particularly... Harrison he, Ford? He's kind of gruff all the time, you know? I think he enjoys being grumpy. I think, yeah. I think it's like, uh, that's how I think my dad. <laughs> I think yeah. my dad's kind of like, no, this is, I'm happy this way. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know who else is like that? Yeah. Both you and me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like, eh. I, it's like uh, that Ren and Stimpy. I love being angry. Yeah. Um, I think he enjoys this. But uh, it was Harrison Ford's birthday. How old is Harrison Ford now? They no one said. <laughs> so I think he's at that age. He's in his seventies, as well. Like I think he's like seventy four. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think he's my dad's age, and like my dad's seventy four. Okay. But um. Yeah, but like, I'm always shocked by how Harrison Ford is not the most famous guy in the world. Like, I'm like, he should be like Tom Cruise, Tom Hanks famous. Yeah. But he's like, I think because he doesn't want to be. Yeah, I, th- I think there there's always seems to be these, like, group of actors that um, th- kind of shy away from the spotlight or they don't. You don't see yeah. him on the talk shows all the time. Like, Tom Hanks is a pretty popular guy. You see him pretty much always doing stuff or yeah. on the TV circuit or whatever, promoting movies and stuff. And he's good. He does an interview, and you're yeah. like, this is a charming guy. Yeah, Tom Hanks is really naturally funny, which is right. why he was only, he only made comedies until the 90s. Yeah. But so then, like, Harrison always Ford, good on a talk like, show. When have you ever seen, like, Harrison Ford host SNL? You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, it's it'll never happen, you know? But, like, Tom Hanks... I just, I'm 
sorry. I just, as soon as you said that, I just heard in my head, once again, Vampire Weekend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just, it'll never happen. Yeah, you're you right. Know? And I think, you know, I wouldn't say that's like the barometer for popularity, but it's an indicator. It's like the guy's not interested in doing a lot of this stuff. And he's he's awkward on the talk shows. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what it you is, know? because when you look at how much people love him, uh, my generation to your generation, it's like this is the most loved action hero. Yeah. Ever. Absolutely. Because there's a he is he is one of uh one of two choices for any young boy's favorite action hero. It's either Han Solo or Indiana Jones. Oh, and okay. he's both, and those both people. of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like no one likes Luke Skywalker over Han Solo. No. Luke's not cool. Luke's lame. Han Solo's cool. You know? And it's well, like. Well, and also in the 80s, there was this like arms race of giant muscle guys making action movies. Right. Um, they were, you know, uh, I think the only, the, the one who came out on top was clearly Schwarzenegger because those movies are still watchable. Like when. Yeah, you just recently watched. Well, then turned 12 Predator. and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to show you a rated R movie because yeah. you're 12 now because right. that's the dad I am. And yeah. I'm like, we're watching Predator. And he was a little nervous. He was like, was it really scary? I was like, no, it's, it's not scary. It's, for it's just incredibly violent. Yeah. <laughs> but like those, Schwarzenegger's movies really hold up, but I don't take Schwarzenegger seriously. You don't aspire to be a Schwarzenegger. He's a mutant. No. And the thing is like, there's nothing to any of Schwarzenegger's characters. Do you know what I mean? He's just a beefy guy with a big gun. And that's all right. he is. And he, he had a real talent for picking scripts. I think that's, oh, yeah. that was the genius of him was that he yeah, saw Terminator alone is well uh, Terminator they Cameron wanted him to play the Michael Bean role uh, in Terminator yeah what yeah he That's wanted insane. to be the hero because he was the biggest name and he was like no I want to and he wanted Lance Henriksen to be the I don't term- know who Lance Hendricks is. Um, Aliens. He was the robot in Aliens. Oh, okay. Uh, had he already done Aliens, right? He would have done Aliens. He had worked with him on uh, yeah well Aliens is after Terminator. Really? It's like the next year. Oh, Terminator's okay. 84, Aliens is 85. Wow. Um, but I think Lance Henriksen has done one of Cameron's early ones. Okay. And Lance Henriksen is one of the cops it's, in Terminator. It's really kind He's of, like, the, he gives like Sarah Connor a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's kind of crazy to picture anybody else as the Terminator. It's like right. such an iconic Well, role. Cameron said his original idea was that the Terminator would blend into a crowd. Oh. And so- Schwarzenegger so you, does not do that. And that's why Cameron didn't want him as that. Okay. Because he was like, well- Schwarzenegger can be the big hero that protects Sarah Connor. Yeah. And uh, when they said, oh, no, Schwarzenegger wants to be the Terminator and will greenlight it if Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. And he's like, and he was like, well, the guy can't hide. He's built like a tank. And then he thought, oh, he's built like a tank. He's like, I could just send a human tank yeah. into these situations. And that's what makes that movie. Right. That's why it's so terrifying. Yeah. but And like, it's like also Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he can't act. Do you know what I mean? It's like uh, he learned how to be funny. He he did he, eventually when he's eventually. making Terminator. He can he doesn't like. I'm not trying to be like a wise guy or anything. Right. But he doesn't speak English very great. You know what I mean? No, he's no. an immigrant. He's a much smarter person than I he am. He was a bodybuilder, but it's like he was a bodybuilder from Austria. It's like he was perfect for that role. And the original point is that like there's nothing there to aspire to be in Rambo or any of these movies. But right. Harry, uh, Han Solo is a character. Indiana yes. Jones is a character. The only other one that's like that is maybe Rocky. You know what I mean? And Rocky's a drama. Right. Rocky, you know, it's not like, like Rambo was movie. the action movie and Rambo's, there's nothing to Rambo. There's nothing there. Yeah. Rocky, Rocky was like a hard on his luck, down and out yeah. uh, drama. And, you know, as he made five or six of them, they got more and more ridiculous. 
But, uh, although he had a weird knack for like, it would get ridiculous, then he'd make one that was real down to earth, then it would well, get ridiculous. Well, it's like, uh, you know, Rocky 1 and 2 are great, but then it's almost kind of like, almost every other one's kind of a... 3, 4, and 5 are like yeah, they're insane. A bit, they're a mess. Rocky Balboa is actually really good. Yeah. And then Creed was great. Well, yeah, and they're making another one of those. Well, they did. I heard what Creed 2 wasn't as good. Oh, it already came out? I think so. Oh. Well, I'll look it up. Yeah, but you're right. I didn't, like, I saw all of the Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Um, I did not, I was not that hardcore action guy. Like, I was more of a sci-fi and a comedy guy. Yeah. So I did, I had friends that would show me Chuck Norris and Jean-Claude Van Damme, and then I'd be like, uh, they were they were as pushy as the guys that were trying to show me Friday the 13th Part 6. And, yeah. You know, like, there were hardcore action guys in the 80s the same way they were hardcore horror guys. Yeah. And I was a, I was a hardcore sci-fi guy. Comedy guy, yeah. Yeah, and a comedy guy. I mean, you know, I was one of those insufferable pricks who discovered Monty Python freshman year of high school. Yeah. And you were that guy. <laughs> yeah. And then in my junior year, Kids in the Hall started. And I was like, ah, oh, I will continue to yeah, be insufferable. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, but Harrison Ford is the only one I really wanted to be, like, especially Indiana Jones. Like, any when I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, it was such a revelation because it was like, it was like, oh, this is just Han Solo. Like, I, right. as you said, yeah. I don't have to deal with Luke and robots. And, right. Yeah. Indiana Jones is a better character. There's more to him than Han Solo, but it's yeah. like, Han which Solo's is why pretty he, cool still. Yeah, which is why they're making another one. And they keep saying they're making I'm it. I'm like, uh, uh, very, uh, <laughs> I'm going to see it. Yeah, obviously. I think it's like it's good that George Lucas isn't going to be involved, right? Yeah. So that's good because it worked out for Star Wars. I mean, but he, it's but just he, like the dude's 74. <laughs> what is he going to do? You know what? I bought him as Han Solo. I bought him as Decker. He didn't run around and punch people as much. Yeah. But I totally bought him in. I totally bought him in that role. In Force Awakens, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly where Han Solo would be. Yeah. And I think that's one of the pe- problems people had with Last Jedi was then Luke was like, people were like, no, that's not where Luke would be. But Han Solo, nobody complained that like, oh, he's a divorced, sad old loser that couldn't even find the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody was okay with right, that. Right. It's very on brand. Because <laughs> he sold it. Yeah. And then Deckard, he's like just this sad guy living in Vegas. Right. Um. So I'm... If he's like, this is the Indiana Jones script I want to make, then yeah, I gotta imagine it's, yeah, it's I'm, quality. I'm curious but cautious. Yeah, I mean, even the Fugitive is great. Like the find I, this man. Yeah, you find that. That's one of the best pointing. Yeah, Harrison well, he's a Ford. great pointer. Yes, there's a yeah. supercut that they did on Conan of of Harrison Ford pointing. Yeah, he's good at it. Yeah, he's so good at it because like he just points and you shut up. Yeah, it's like a Batman kind of point. It is. Yeah, he's. He's great. And that's why there's all this talk of like, oh, we got to bring Indiana Jones back. We can't bring Indiana Jones back when they wanted to reboot it. Yeah, I, I guess. And that's had... what he said. We talked about a couple weeks ago in an interview. He's like, when I'm gone, he's gone. Yeah. He's like, tell that to Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah, which which I get. You know, it's like uh, me and Elliot got in that fight about I think Chris Pratt could do it. But um, it's Indiana like, Jones is his creation. Right. More than and anybody I think else. That's it's like, part of the problem. It's yeah. like Batman was Bob Kane and Bill Finger's creation and Christian Bale and Michael Keaton and Adam West and Ben Affleck all did versions of that. No one else has been Indiana Jones. Um, they tried it once with a TV show in the 90s and nobody bought it. Right. I mean, even River Phoenix, it's hard to be like, think it is Indiana Jones. He's doing a hell of a Harrison Ford impression. Yeah. In that. So, and I'm fine. It's like, you want to give me one more? Maybe he dies in it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But it's his birthday and he's an American treasure. I feel like he doesn't realize what 
how much of an American treasure he is. He like looks at himself as like a working actor. Yeah. It's interesting. I he's a strange man. Um, yeah, there's, but it makes him more interesting. It does. It definitely does. Because if he wasn't, I wouldn't care as much. You know, <laughs> it's only because he's weird that I care. Well, he was always weird, though. I read um, Carrie Fisher's last book, which she talked about the affair she had with Harrison Ford yeah. during Star Wars, and he was married. Um, so it wasn't that cool. And she was like seventeen. Yeah. <laughs> so not that cool. But since Harrison Ford, yeah, I'm all right with it. But like even. She had all, it was a really interesting book because it was all like her writings from like her diary at that point. And it's oh. clearly like a 17 year old girl writing in her diary. Yeah. Um, it's not something you'd really want to read for a long time, but, but it was all like, like, I don't know what's going on with you, man. Like, what is it? Like, you're so awesome. And you, but you won't talk to me. Yeah. And it's like, clearly that's who he was. So, you know, they were in England shooting Star Wars. And he was like, mm, I yeah. Star Wars. <laughs> You know, um, but we're very, very proud that we still have Harrison Ford in our lives. And you know what? Whatever he wants to do. There was that period in the 90s, like, where he was Jack Ryan, and I was like, hmm. And he was, like, a lot of disaffected husbands. Yeah. Like, presumed innocent regarding Henry. I actually Henry don't know and, that I've seen a lot of movies with Harrison Ford that weren't Star Wars, Indiana Jones, or The Fugitive. You know? I'm um, trying to think what's really good. Yeah, he's, a, he's, just, he's like he's always working, you know, kind of. I mean, he doesn't really need to. There's a movie he made with Gene Wilder called The Frisco Kid, where Gene Wilder plays a rabbi in the Old West. That's weird. It was on cable all the time. Yeah. But it was like, he's good in it. Yeah. And he's like young. It's like right after Star Wars. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When Harrison Ford nails it, it's iconic as all hell. Right. Like, you could go see Sabrina, but eh, you don't really have to. Mm. Like, you want to go see Working Girl? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Give this man a gun. You know, no, let him run guy, around and this shoot guy's Nazis two of the aliens. Mo- this guy is the the defining action roles of my generation, which spills into your generation. Yeah, well, that, that I think that's the point, is that it's like, um, it transcends a generation because those roles were so iconic. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, I don't know anyone else that got as lucky. You know, no, not, to, know. not to take anything away from it, but part of it has to be luck to be in the right place at the right time to get both Indiana Jones and the coolest character in Star Wars. And then, I mean, how how much after that was Blade Runner? I mean, it was like pretty pretty long after. Uh, Blade Runner is like right after Raiders of Lost Ark. Oh, wow. It's so, like he was on a run. I mean, yeah, that's, you want to be crazy. Harrison Ford in the early 80s because 80 is Empire Strikes Back. 81 is Raiders of Lost Ark. 82 is Blade Runner. Jesus. And 83 okay. is Return of the Jedi. Yeah. So is he, he was the Robert Downey Jr. of the early 80s because I was looking at Robert Downey Jr.'s IMDb and I realized, oh, he hasn't played anything but Tony Stark in like eight years. Yeah. Cause no wonder he was ready to leave because it was like after that first Iron Man, he made like a couple of dramas and he made like a romantic comedy. Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes. They, he announced he's making a third Sherlock Holmes now, but they were probably waiting for him to be done with Marvel. It just seemed like every year. He's Iron Man. He was Tony Stark. Yeah, I read Even somewhere... if he was a small part in a movie, he played Tony Stark every year from 2008 to 2019. Um, Christopher Evans played Captain America every single year from first Avenger until Endgame. But Chris Evans has made more movies on the side. Right. Like, he's made things like Snowpiercer, which was a really interesting movie. He made some, like, low-key dramas. I think he directed something. Yeah. Um, Chris Evans is also a lot younger than Robert Downey Jr. That's true. Robert Downey Jr. is in his mid-50s. Harrison Ford is, as as we said. Mid-70s, at least. Yeah. Just timeless. Mark Hamill tweeted a really nice um, happy birthday message to him, and he was like, here's the day we met, and it's like the screen test of the two of them. Is it a video? 
Uh, it was a still shot, but there is video footage of it. Like, yeah. I've seen the video footage of all of their screen tests. That's cool. And, you know, it's all dialogue that didn't even make the movie. Sure. Like, Mark Hamill has this great story where he, he recites the dialogue from the screen test, and it's no dialogue that appears in the movie at all. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, all just, like, rattling off, like subspeed drives and planet names and, and he remembers it all yeah and he's like and he's like and tell me that doesn't make any sense at all yeah um mark hamill is interesting because he's like uh he is a nerd you know yeah. it's like i i didn't really know that it's like a kid like watching it i just thought he was, he was the like, only nerd he, right he was the only one that when they were shooting it when he found out that lucas had the rights to the merchandise he said Oh, I wanted in my contract that I get everything. Yeah. And then he had a garage full, full of, of stuff. Star Wars shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because he he was a, a comic book nerd. He said he had to give up. I was listening to him on uh Kevin Smith's podcast, Fat Man on Batman. And we all know how I feel about Kevin Smith. Well, we both feel about but Kevin. But he had Smith. like Mark Hamill and Jim Lee and Yeah, it's hard when the Yeah, guy can and get... Paul Dini on, and I'm like, fine, yeah. I'll listen to you talk to them. Um but Mark Hamill said at one point, he said, You have to stop comic book collecting when your accountant is calling you to talk about Detective Comics number ninety two. Yeah. He's like, it, it just got way too expensive. But he's always been like a yeah, I had no idea. And he's, you know, he's Harrison Ford on a lower level because he's Mark, Luke Skywalker and the Joker. Yeah, right. It's just like another iconic role, but yeah. how many people maybe even know that? You know what I mean? Yeah, and well, it's certainly not nerds. As, That's yeah, the nerds difference. Know, exactly. Yeah. He's 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 the Harrison Ford to the nerds. Yes, nerds consider Mark Hamill to be the greatest Joker of all time because. Only nerds and children were watching Batman the yeah. Animated Series in the 90s. He was on... Um, uh, we were both. <laughs> yeah, we we were just talking about this before we were recording, but the I, I, I wish I could remember what I was watching. It was like an interview with voiceover artists, like a series, and he was one of them they were talking about, and he was talking about the Joker and how they originally had Tim Curry for the role... And then Tim Curry either didn't want to do it or they had to replace him or I don't know what this. Yeah, story no, Tim was. Curry did a few episodes and it wasn't working. They said it was yeah. like he wasn't funny enough. Or, yeah, and Tim Curry was doing a lot of voiceover back then. Yes, and he's got a great voice too. Yeah. But that when Mark Hamill he's got like a to David do, Bowie voice. Uh, Mark Hamill played like a couple thugs or something, and then he Mark to Hamill played Joker. Mark Hamill plays the CEO in the Mister Freeze episode. Oh, okay, yeah, because he's because he'd been doing voiceover for a while. He was doing voiceover before Star Wars. He was doing voiceover as a child actor. Yeah. And um, he thought that was where his career was going to go. And then he got really handsome and as a teenager and started booking a lot more roles. Right. But yeah, Tim Curry, uh, Tim Curry had done a lot of voiceover and I've, I, I'm surprised they didn't use him as something else on Batman. Yeah. Cause he does have a kind of a great voice, but they were talking about, they wanted to come up for, with this like iconic laugh for the Joker mm-hmm. and Mark Hamill kind of went the other way. He's like, well, I don't really want him to have like an iconic laugh. What I want him to have is a laugh for every situation. And he took a lot of inspiration, I guess, actually from Frank Gorshin because uh, he loved Batman 66. So he had watched and he's just like the Riddler. That laugh was just perfect. Yeah. And he kind of wanted to emulate. Frank Gorshin is like actually this. a better Joker than Cesar Romero. On that show, yeah, I, I like him as he's the way Riddler. more manic. His riddles are, he's, are left. He's com- he's way crazier. Uh, he's the craziest one. Yes, and I remember uh, you know we used to watch that as kids all the time, 
And I, he's the only person on that show who seemed insane, like genuinely insane. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Cesar Romero had the good laugh and, you know, he's a decent joker. Yeah. But like it's him. like my favorite Cesar Romero is when he would get mad. I realized he, his laugh was good. Oh, yeah. When he got mad, it's but great. But when he got mad, he'd go, yeah. <laughs> That was the best. He's kind of like barking noise. you. Yeah. Because somebody would be like, but Batman and Robin would catch you. Oh, Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> so he's good. I don't want to take away from Cesar Romero, but Frank Gorshin, I genuinely thought was a crazy person as a child because of his performance. He was always climbing on something. Yeah, he was always jumping around. He was like the scrawny little wiry guy. Yeah, and he would start at the best is he would get himself worked into a frenzy alone. Yes. That there'd always be a shot where everybody kind of walks away from him. Yeah. Like, there would be no other actor. He's stewing in the corner. But he would start low, and then he'd start to build up, and it seemed like he was right about to explode. It was just that. It's that, like, I'm getting lightheaded. It's it's almost like he couldn't contain his own psychosis. Like, he was trying to put a rein on it, and he couldn't. He didn't have the harness, you know? And this was before they were all insane. Yeah, yeah, Like, definitely. they all went to Gotham State Penitentiary. It wasn't even Blackgate on the right. Adam West show. There was no Arkham Asylum. That no. Was, that was actually created in the 70s. I think that's a Len Wein thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's true. No, I mean, I, I believe you. Yeah, I, um, well, I remember when I bought the issue, they were like, this is the first appearance But of yeah, Arkham they Asylum. don't talk about Arkham Asylum in that. Hmm. Yeah. But... Um, so yeah. Oh, so uh, we were talking about Mark Hamill because we were talking about Harrison Ford. Yeah. So on the same note of like uh, actors and 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 such, um, we'll have an announcement next week probably for San Diego. But I heard rumor. Um, I don't know what her name is. She's the girl oh, from Stranger Things. Yeah. yeah. Do you hear about this? Where she's yeah, going to be in Eternals? Everybody's in Eternals, and I want to wait till I get a yes. a real because um was it uh, Angelina Jolie I mean, is Angelina in it? Jolie. Selma Hayek is Selma in it. Hayek. It's only women I'm hearing that are in yeah. Eternals. I've heard now, a lot. Of- Millie Bobby Brown is eleven on Stranger Things. Yes, and yes. now she's in it, and it's um I'm just. We'll see what happens. Eternals was goddamn hard to read. Yeah, I tried, and yeah. I got maybe four issues into the. They did a re- reprinting of the two volumes of the first. The trade essential. Yeah, they did an omnibus, and I never bought it. Yeah, and I never got it either. But I read maybe the first four issues, and I, I, it's, it's, it's beautiful. But it's, it's just like. It's the same thing. It's like Kirby without somebody to kind of steer him. You're right. just like, what the, and what I are felt, we talking about And I about felt like here? Eternals was him trying to do the New, new gods, gods again. Right. But he had used up all the really cool characters in the New Gods. I like the New Gods. Yeah. Um, and Eternals, I'm just like, mm, nobody's really sticking. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it was more about how he drew the panels and the characters he created in Eternals. Definitely. So I'm just like, uh, I feel like Eternals is because they squandered in humans. Because Inhumans was supposed to be a movie, and then they're like, no, we'll make it be a TV show. And it was the biggest bomb Marvel's ever done. Yeah. Um, they, and you, they that, did that, eight... that's it, though. You think it's like, they, we just won't do the Inhumans now. In no, MCU, because, they, that's it. because everything counts. So it's Actually, like, I don't yeah. know if it does. Because the Daredevil and Luke Cage, that stuff will never, they'll never reference or talk about any of those Netflix shows. Those don't even No, count but anymore. I don't think they can just introduce another Matt Murdock and say, You don't think we're going to get MCU. another Daredevil in like five, ten years? I think in five, ten years we're going to reboot the MCU. Yeah. I mean, at that point, they might as well. Because eventually somebody's going to be like, we miss Tony Stark. Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. is like, I'm 65. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll get, uh, I don't know, some unknown. They'll get a kid who's on a Nickelodeon show right yeah, now. Right? Yeah, okay. whoever the, the 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 current modern day even Steven is, is going to yeah. be Tony Stark in twenty years. They'll get John Mulaney. Yeah, to be Tony Stark. I've got an armor. Oh. <laughs> 
I'm gonna fly around. Here I come. Oh. Uh, but speaking of actors, the other the sad news this week was that Rip Torn passed away. Yes. Um, who I forget who said it, but uh, he had they said he was a man that had the present and past tense of his own name. Yeah, that's actually great. <laughs> uh, but Rip Torn was an American icon. He was like one of those real bravado kind of stage actors for a long time. Um, but he's best known f- uh, in comedy and. In general roles, he was Zed on Men in Black. That's like the big one I think like my generation would be like, who is that? And it's like, right. it's the guy from Men in Black. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, but, but before that, a little uh, before that, he's best known for The Larry Sanders Show. Did you ever see The Larry no. Sanders Show? No. See, that was HBO's first really big comedy. And it was, uh, Gary Shandling made it. And who pa- Gary Shandling also passed away a few times. and A went, few times? Uh, a few years ago. Yeah. <laughs> but Winter Soldier was like his last appearance. Was uh he's in the he's the um, he's the set he's the, the hydra center who goes she's killing my back yeah um he's he, great he passed away but he, it was his show where it was the behind the scenes of a late night talk show and Judd Apatow was was a very young writer on it and uh, Bob Odenkirk appears on it and um, Jenny Garofalo's on it and Scott Thompson it's like all of these all the people that were doing anything in the nineties John Stewart is on the whole last season. They would get any celebrity they wanted to as peers themselves on the talk show. Oh, that's cool. Very weird episode where like David Duchovny is attracted to Gary Shandling. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. It's really weird. (laughs) Um, And then after that, they became best friends. Uh, They hadn't met until David Duchovny was booked on that episode. But then Gary Shandling did an X-Files that David Duchovny directed. Okay. And David Duchovny's on the documentary HBO did about Gary Shandling, which was brilliant. It was like a four-hour documentary. Wow. But Larry Sanders was like... The first real, it was meta, it was dark, it had unlikable characters, uh, ran for like seven seasons. It's one of the greatest sitcoms ever made. And Rip Torn is probably the best guy on it. Yeah. Jeffrey Tambor was the sidekick on it, who's best known for being George Sr. on Arrested Development. Yeah. Uh, he won a bunch of Emmys because he played just this like to- really insecure, weak character who would just break down and cry about yeah. everything. Um, but Rip Torn, Rip Torn played the tough guy, Artie, who kept it all together. He was the producer. And he was just full of shit to your face. And he could turn from being like this warm smile to just an ugly son of a bitch. Yeah. Depending on what your reaction was to the last thing he said. My favorite episode they ever did was there's an episode where um, uh, Artie has one of his best friends booked on. It's Ryan O'Neill who played himself. Ryan O'Neill was like a big star in the 70s. And in the 90s, he was playing like dad roles. He wasn't as big. But the the idea was they were best friends. He was glad to have him on the show. And he gets bumped. And then like Ryan O'Leal was like, fuck you, Artie. We're not friends anymore. And then our, our and then Artie's, Artie gets like really mad. And he starts thinking about quitting. And then the whole episode is him getting drunk in the office. Wow. And then he gets drunk with the janitor. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, they like, they get into a fist fight in the <laughs> rafters. It's, and the whole episode is just him getting drunker and angrier. It's. It's an absolutely brilliant show. You can find it all on HBO Go. Yeah, because um, they have everything. Yeah, so. Netflix had it for a while, but HBO has everything HBO produced. Um, but he was amazing in it. He's also in one of my favorite movies ever made, which is Defending Your Life. Um, there's an Albert Brooks movie where Albert Brooks dies in the first five minutes, and then the entire movie takes place in the afterlife. Oh, we've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah this R- sounds very familiar. Rip Torn plays his lawyer in the afterlife. It's, yeah. it's in my top five movies. It's up there with like Army of Darkness and Raiders of the Lost Ark. For yeah. Me. Uh, I saw it in the theater and then I just became 
I, I became an Albert Brooks devotee, and I still am. Um, not all of his movies are yeah, of equal yeah. quality. Uh, but And unlike Woody Allen, he's made like seven instead of 40. But some of them are pure works of genius, and this is my favorite. But he played, like, Rip Torn plays a shitty lawyer. Who's <laughs> in like, heaven. Who's in heaven. Yeah. Uh, and the idea is that you have to defend your life in order to move on. And if you don't, you get reincarnated. Okay. And then during... In the afterlife, Albert Brooks falls in love with Meryl Streep. Yeah. It's it's a very odd movie. Um, but he's so... Rip Torn is so warm in it. And then one of the last roles he did was Don Geis on 30 Rock. Yeah, I, that's kind of the... I'd say the bigger role that I know him for is because obviously Men in Black when I was a kid and then I got on the 30 Rock and like the... I don't know, after it was pretty much off the air. Yeah, well, off Netflix. I remember you watching it on Netflix when the, you were on the store. Yeah. yeah, a lot of 30 Rock getting watched in that store. And uh, he's great in that. And he's like perfect. Yeah. You know, it's like just like a really good quality, like, uh, like character actor. He always had just had that toughness. He was always like, yes. he was always like, ah, son, come here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, he brought that bravado to most of his roles. Yeah. Um, I would love to go back and see stuff from the early 70s because he's in like independent movies. I'm like, well, was he like as a young guy where he, right. he, he couldn't be the gruff father figure? Yeah. Like, well, but he was very much in that Tommy Lee Jones kind of. Yeah. Which is, uh, I just rewatched um, the first Avenger, and mm-hmm. we talked about it before. But like Tommy Lee Jones is kind of underrated in that movie. Tommy Lee Jones steals that movie, he, and you forget he's in it he, every time you watch. He kills it. it. <laughs> There's two lines in that that are as good as anything he says in Men in Black. He's making me sad. Yeah, he's making me cry. <laughs> I'm not gonna kiss you. That, <laughs> uh, that one and my favorite line in that movie is one of my favorite Tommy Lee Jones lines ever is when he turns to Peggy Carter and goes, well, this is all over. You and I will have a discussion that you will not enjoy. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And then so he follows good. that line up. He says something like, um, uh, if you got anything to say, now's a perfectly good time to keep it to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like uh, the guy who wrote, um, well, I don't know who wrote it. The guy who directed it, directed The Rocketeer. So it's yes. very much of The Rocketeer. <laughs> but it's um, whoever wrote that movie, kudos to those uh, couple lines they gave uh, um, Tommy Lee Jones because he he's great in that movie. Captain America is really when I felt like the MCU was in was in good hands because Iron Man was a great movie. Yeah, and then Thor was okay. We had we had Iron Man and then Iron, Iron Man, Man 2, Two, Hulk, Thor, and then Captain America. So I think it's like it's either the fourth or the fifth because I can't remember the order if it's Thor, or Captain. Iron first. Man and Hulk were first. Oh no, it is Captain America is the movie before Avengers. Avengers, it's the last the movie. The tease at the end of Captain America is, him waking is a trailer up. Yes. for Avengers. Yes, it's a year before, so it's 2011, and they put it out around Fourth of July weekend. Yeah, Thor was in Came May. In May, yeah. Thor was the first movie in the summer, and Thor's okay. Um, yeah, there's good stuff in it, but it's it's uh, it's, it's on the lower tier. It's for not sure. rewatchable either. It's eh, like I rewatch them all. Um, I'm fine with it. They're I, good background movies. Yeah, you put them on when you're cleaning. Yeah, except Ragnarok. I mean, there's a oh Ragnarok. I'll sit and watch. They get all to day. fight the Destroyer. That's fun. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, well, like Thor was like, okay, Thor's okay. Iron Man two is all over the place. Yeah, I like it more than Iron Man three. Uh, I like Iron Man three more, and we had this argument almost every week. Yeah, uh, had it with Owen last week talking yeah, that far from we home. did. Um, but Captain America, I was like, okay, this is gonna be, this is totally different. Yeah. It's a period piece. It's got a really good cast, and I was like, this is, I'm, this is really solid, enjoyable. And you know what? I did like reading flashbacks from world war ii in captain america comics yeah it's um it always seemed like a dumbed down the only time version i actually of the superhero. really liked it um was ultimates 
Ultimates did a really good job. I think the series starts with the flashback to World War II. Like Ultimates, I think, opens with Captain America in World War II. And yeah, that stuff like, I really liked, but I agree. I, I don't think there's anything else I've seen um, no, where I, it's like the flashback to World War II stuff, where it's always kind of slow. Honestly, I I never bought the the issues of Marvels when they came out, because I bought the first one, and I was like, oh, all of this is World War II? And then I just didn't come back, and it wasn't oh. until they were, like, collected. Well, that stuff was good, too. But they don't know how much of that is in World War II. I mean, it's, like, it, it's in the Golden Age, so it's there's the a lot age, of, yeah. like, Namor and the Human Torch running yeah, around. Yeah, so I didn't even pay attention when it moved on to, like, X-Men and oh, Spider-Man yeah. and I, Galactus. They just relaunched, or not, they didn't really relaunched it, but they re-released Marvel's annotated and um i reread it and it's it was reading it like monthly and it's like kind of can show you what it might have been like to read that monthly it's excellent yeah and there's another issue coming out called like epilogue or something yeah i heard about that yeah and it's gonna be the same creative team it's Busiek and ross full painted and everything so it should be interesting anytime ross does a book it yeah it's it very rare but when he interest. does it's it's awesome yeah so uh you know what the one the one other thing i want to talk about uh, since we've been kind of focused on actors, um, well, Pat, there's a poster for Picard where Patrick Stewart has a dog, and people wouldn't shut up about this dog for like yeah, 48 hours. I, I don't know why everyone so it's like a, just a dog, right? People What's like the, dogs. I love dogs, but I don't understand the insane hype for. This I like dog, dogs, but you know? like I don't know. But I'm more of a cat person. But if he had a cat in the poster, I'd be like, oh, he's got a cat. But would it be as big? Data as Data had a cat. Yeah, yeah. People are just because the poster is, um, and I posted this on the Facebook page. It's Picard in a coat at his vineyard. Yeah. In France, which is where um, they showed in the final episode he would retire to. Um, with, But now he's got a dog. Like, the dog is the only real new element in this. Yeah. Because the coat kind of looks like the coat he wears in First Contact. And he's been to the vineyard a couple of times in the series. Right. So maybe because it's the only thing that's new and the show's just called Star Trek Picard, it's such little information. Oh, that people are like latching on That anything. people are jumping on it. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that's been viral with an actor is, uh, have you seen these viral videos, of, uh, these deep fake videos of The Shining? I I saw it posted probably on our thing, and I don't. Uh, the deep fake stuff freaks me out. It's freaky. Yeah, it's, I didn't um, watch it. This is at least fun because it's not trying to lie to me and yeah, put or, Obama's face on it. But um, what it is is somebody put Jim Carrey's face on Jack Nicholson in The Shining, and it's pretty good. Like it, when you know it's been CG'd right. on. You look at his forehead and you're like, oh, I can see kind of a pixelation. Yeah. So, which is good because then it go, then I go, all right, if when the deep, when Russia starts putting out deep fake videos of Hillary Clinton, yeah. Um, because that's how, that's going to be Trump's entire campaign next year. <laughs> um, I'm going to look at her forehead. Yeah. Well, I think it's like the problem is, is like the technology is only going to get better. So it's like, we'll get to a point where you won't, we won't be able to tell what's real. <laughs> well, but what's creepy about yeah. it is the facial expressions are dead on because they did three scenes. They did, um, they did the scene where he's typing and tells Shelly Duvall, get, get the fuck out of the room. Um, you know, it's snowing outside. Does what it, do you want me to do? Does about it sound like it's Jack Nicholson's voice. So all okay. they did, all they do was replace face. his face. But the creepy thing about it is it's Jack Nicholson's facial expressions. Done by Jim Carrey. Not done by Jim Carrey, just CG'd with Jim Carrey's face. That's so So weird. the first time I saw it, I was, um, and I showed it to Renee, and she was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So this is like a 
college humor video where like Jim Carrey reenacted Jack Nicholson. I'm like, nope. No, no. We're nope. at a, hor- oh, this when, a horrifying level of fuckery when you going watch, on. When you watch it, I've probably seen The Shining five times. I'm not one of those like devotees. Yeah, I think I've seen it maybe twice. Yeah, I there's that like... That room two thirty seven. There was that documentary about people reading all of the Easter eggs into The Shining, and I'm like, I I didn't finish the documentary. I'm like, I don't care about this movie that much. Yeah, but I'm a big Jack Nicholson fan. In high school, I was in high school, I was like uh, devoted to Jack Nicholson. It was when I was doing a lot of high school drama. He was my like my favorite actor. Then they announced him as the Joker. I lost my god. I was gonna say, mind. yeah, that's probably yeah. That's like nerd crack. Yeah. Um, so I know those movies, I know all of his movies really well, and there's just little little inflections, there's like little smiles, there's little ticks that are not Jim Carrey. It's yeah. not the way he would perform that. Even if he said, I'm going to do this exactly. He wouldn't like be he able did, to get those nuances. Yeah, because like, have you ever seen Man on the Moon? Yeah. Where he does Andy Kaufman? Oh, he yeah. does a perfect Andy Kaufman, but you can see the Jim Carrey it's Jim Carrey doing Andy This Kaufman. is not that. Yeah. This is... This is Jack Nicholson wearing a Jim Carrey face. That's so creepy. It's so creepy. And then I saw the second one. The second one is the give me the bat Wendy scene. It's not as good. Like there's something about his eye, like one eye starting to get a little lazy. And mm-hmm. maybe maybe the first one went viral. And the guy's like, I got to make another one. And yeah, he did it in three days instead of like three weeks. Sure. Um, But it is helpful to see. Oh, here's where that technology breaks down a little bit. Yeah, so, right now. Because so, it's going to get better. Yeah, but those are telltale signals. It's like, uh, we were watching Shazam last night, which is still really entertaining. Yeah. And Did the kids like it? The kids loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. They loved it, and Renee loved it. Every Everybody said, I, I'm surprised by how much I enjoy that yeah. movie. Yeah. But... I was watching them fight the monsters, and there's a scene where, like, one of them grabs one of the monsters by the arm, and I'm like, yeah, that's where live action meets CG. Because it's not the... It's a fairly low-budget movie for superhero standards. It's like, the CG's obvious. Yeah, we have the budget to do low-budget superhero movies now that look decent, but it's they don't look like Endgame does. No, and they look... And that movie looks decent, but I was like, oh, yeah, you can always... You can always tell a CG character because it's just it's just slightly faded it's a little gray compared to the live action around it right so anytime i see cg you know 20 years ago when i first saw lord of the rings and lord of the rings um used puppets in some shots and forced perspective in some shots and models in some shots and cg in some shots and when i first saw it i was like i don't know what that is yeah like you know when the cave troll shows up i'm like i don't know i is, is that, that a puppet? A, is that a guy in a suit? What is this? And now it's 20 years later, I go, well, Gollum CG, well, yeah. that's, it, it the, sticks the out. The biggest, um... It still looks great. Yeah, I mean, it it's a classic movie, sure. but, but, but you, uh, you know what the trick is. Yeah, I remember watching uh, the first Spider-Man movie, which I think we all agree is like, a, we turned a corner with superhero movies with that first Sam Raimi Spider-Man. Oh, uh, it's a watershed moment. Yeah. yeah, and I remember being like, oh my God, like, it looks so good. I can't tell when it's a real dude swinging around and when it's just like a fake uh, CG. And then I rewatched that movie probably five years ago. Yeah. And it's like, oh, yeah, you can absolutely now tell. And I think it's like, as the technology's gotten better, it's got, it's the lines are getting blurry between it, but it's like, it just points out how, um, not bad, because that's the wrong word, but how primitive that looked, you know, uh, that always happens when, when technology advances. I remember when HD came out, I'm like, why do we need HD? TVs look great. And then you get used to HD and you can't watch SD anymore. Right. And then now, now and then when I see 4K, well, now they got 8K and there's like, 
I've heard like 16K or 12K yeah, coming out. From what like, I heard, the human eye can only see up to 8K. So you can keep yeah. adding K as much well, so as you want, but the, the, human eyes ta- the human eye taps out at 8. And I don't know all the, I'm not an editor or anything like this. I don't do this what these guys do, but the guys at work will say that uh, like a 4K TV is pointless because it's like we, it's like that's not what the 4K is for. It's like we won't, you won't really be able to see the difference between like HD and a 4K. Right. But I think, yeah, at some point there is a limit to the amount of detail we can pull out of an image where it's right. like we can we can probably invent things that can pull out way more information it's like it's our eyes now that yeah. aren't good enough we're gonna have to be putting like cybernetic eyeballs in to like get better quality and yeah, my eyes are getting worse all the time i dude don't even tell me i probably got to get an eye doctor i was like <laughs> i'm sure i'm gonna be in glasses in three years the greatest thing in the world this week so i did something that seems quaint and old-fashioned now I went to the mall and I bought a book. Oh, like a like a paper book? Yeah. Wow. Uh, I didn't know you were doing paper books anymore. They weren't. Well, I bought I bought a pictures. I bought color. a graphic novel, but instead oh, of okay. instead of ordering it from in stock trades you or Amazon, it from a human store. I went to a Barnes and Noble. It, we um, there's a good kids barber in the mall nearby, um, and it's that upscale mall that has the Apple Store. Yeah. And so we we took Sebastian to get a haircut and. Um, I wanted a cup of coffee and I was like, drop me off at the Barnes and Noble. And cause, uh, I forget it's the only one I know about in the area now. And I forget how much fun it is to just walk around a bookstore. Oh yeah. I just, the whole vibe of it and Barnes and Noble, they're the last one standing because they've, they've diversified so much. They're like, ah, oh, we'll stock vinyl records. We'll put a bunch of toys in here. We'll put a Starbucks in the middle. Yeah. Like we'll put couches everywhere. Yeah. Um, they're not about the retail anymore. They're, they're about the experience. They're like a gallery. They're constantly driving you to buy a nook and go on their website. Like I noticed, um, all of the sections had a sign that said like, it was like mystery. See our entire selection at BN.com. Yeah. Cause so you can always carry more online. Than- so they're creating them like gallery spaces. Really? But I uh, went to get a cup of coffee, walked around, and I was looking through their graphic novel section, which is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It used to be like one. It used to be one it, bookshelf, one, one row in the sci-fi section. Yeah, and now, now it's, it's a whole row. It's a it, now it's a whole row that goes like on one side and the other. It the Barnes and Noble, this is in Oakbrook, had as many graphic novels as you had when you owned the store. Yeah, when you had that center aisle in your store. That's crazy. So I picked up the new uh, Tom King deluxe edition um volume four which has all the wedding issues in it yeah um the weird thing was it went down to a matte stock and people were complaining like hey this got cheaper but i realized dc has gone to matte stock in the last year yeah from glossy which um so it's obviously uh a deliberate move so i think when they when they did this book they were like all right we'll print it on the same paper that we printed the issues on so it's it's a weird transition because You've gotten so used to Glossy. And people complain about Glossy because you get a Silver Age omnibus and all the pages are Glossy and there's people that are like, these colors are too bright. They were meant to be printed on matte. Yeah. Like now, like my eyes hurt because everything's bright red and bright bright blue and they were supposed to blend in. Um, but quality-wise, like reading these issues again, which Tom King is a fast read. I read 12 issues in a day. Uh, man, this is one of the best Batman runs ever. Yeah. And people are, people have been bitching about it. I saw somebody yell at Tom King on an Instagram comment of like, 
of like, why, why are the sales so far down on Batman? What did you do wrong? They're only selling 87,000. Scott Snyder was selling 150. And I'm like, first of all, uh, what is he supposed to say to that? Second of all, he's just part of the creative team. Yeah. Um, third of all, DC's fired him because of that. But right. to their credit, they're letting him finish his story in a separate title. But also, creatively, this is one of the best fronts. Yeah, I got in maybe twenty years. I gotta say, I don't know. I'm not a big like Batman fan, but I'll, I've read all the big like Batman stories. This isn't my favorite Batman story, but it's definitely my favorite Batman run. Yeah, and it's like uh, if you count even like Jim Lee's like Hush is like a run. I mean, it was like twelve issues or something. I count Jim Lee as a story like a in story the same arc. way that Dark Knight Returns or Killing Joke is a story, right? And in fact, that's the next DC movie which comes out this week. This Hush comes out during San Diego. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they'll probably screen it or whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's it's definitely like, a panel where I, I like Tom King. It's like he's way better than Scott Snyder. And I think a lot of uh, the hate is uh, Lisa and Tina talk about this because I think they're more sensitive to it. And when I say sensitive, I mean, it's like they can pick up on this stuff a lot better than I can because I'm a straight white dude. But there's a lot of like um, bro Scott Snyder fans. You know, yeah, and he has like yeah. a weird following of like uh, people that are really love his stuff and i think well i think i think part of that might be capullo because capullo was a mcfarlane guy which so, is the broiest bro in comic books yes <laughs> you know um he's so much of a bro that he's not a nerd yeah but capullo drew spawn for so long that i think the fans that followed him on the batman were bros right and snyder and capullo are intertwined in the way that like o'neill and adams yeah were, they're or, uh writing they're 18 drawing. yeah now. it's, it's like Scott Snyder did a bunch of stuff with Jock, and he did a story with John Romita Jr., but everybody thinks of Capullo. So I think, and Capullo's like kind of an alpha male. Yeah. You know, he's like got the shaved head and the big mustache. And right. He has a like, sunglass, and he's like, hey, brother. You yeah. Know? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like a Hulk hogan Yeah, he was like, he, person. he used to drink way too much beer. Yeah. <laughs> he, so. said, he said that when he was drawing Spawn, he had it down so cold that he was like, that he became a functioning alcoholic because he knew he could knock those pages out. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, but he's like, he's definitely like a um, a Zach Wild of yeah comic of book comic artists. book artists. Yeah. Um, but Tom Tom King is totally the pendulum the other way. He's yes. like, it's very sensitive, very smart, like uh, creative writing. He's like kind of writing this like longer love story between like Batman and Catwoman. It's like it's more of a nuanced run than uh, Capullo and Snyder's was. Well, he's a quieter writer yes. too. All of his writing is about those in-between moments. I was, um, I mean, Mister Miracle is all about that, and it won the Eisner. So he's not really he's not doing a lot of the blockbuster moments. Like he's doing these kind of quiet stories. The best story he wrote is this one that Lee Weeks drew, where it's Bruce Wayne on jury duty, and they're mostly just talking. Yeah, and it's like as they're talking, Lee Weeks draws like a splash page of Batman jumping around the city. But it's mostly just people in a jury room. And yeah. that's what he excels at. And I forgot how good the Joker story is around the wedding. Oh, um, yeah. Which Mikkel Jannon drew. And Mikkel Jannon, I think, is is one of the best. I think that's my, uh, that's, other than Lee Weeks, it's like Mikkel Jannon. If, I, if I'm if i thinking, there's, yeah. The Clay Man is a big one. Well, Clay Man's a big one. He's great. Yeah. Lee Weeks is great. There's yep. two different artists that are doing the heavy lifting on Batman. Yeah. One of them's very David Mazzucchelli-ish. It looks like almost that's like Lee year Weeks. one. No, it's not Lee Weeks, because I know Lee Weeks' art. This is a different guy. Well, Lee Weeks is very Mazzucchelli. No, I know, but there's like this other guy. There's two different guys, and they both did part of that Joker run, and one of them's more like a digital art and the other one's more like a cleaner 
art with like thicker brush lines. Yeah, the very very clean art is Mikel Janin, and yeah. he did he did this Joker story where um, Joker wants to be Batman's best man. Yeah, so it's he, so weird. So he takes hostages at a wedding and kills everyone. Um, and Joker's really terrifying in it. Yeah, and it's it's just straight ahead. His jokes are all dad jokes. They're not good jokes, but he's so casually like murdering people. But um, and it's a great issue, Batman and the Joker. And at the end of that issue, it's not really a spoiler. It's in the middle of that story. Um, the altar blows. He planted a bomb in the altar and it blows up. And then, but the next issue, Catwoman shows up and. Uh, they have a fight. Catwoman slashes Joker's throat and joke as Joker shoots her in the stomach. And then the whole issue, they're lying on the rubble of the in the church. In yeah. the church. And they're just having a conversation. Right. And and it's the whole issue the whole issue is just Joker holding his neck, Catwoman holding her stomach, and they just talk about like all of these different things. They talk about Batman. They talk about when they were both villains. They talk about the old times. They yeah. talk about uh, they talk about who's going to kill who when they can get their strength back up. Yeah. It's, a, it's all quiet, but it's beautifully drawn. He, he really does a great job of this like character-driven interpersonal relationships between the characters. Like uh, Batman and Alfred, there's a lot of that really good stuff. Batman and Damien, uh, the different Robins uh, relationship to each other. It's like the villain's relationship to each other, Batman and Catwoman's relationship to each other. Was a Catwoman, re- there was a really good issue in this book where um, it was like a, it was a bad story in Nightwing where they like, Nightwing got a new secret identity where yeah. he was like blonde or something and they had to like, sh- they had to shoot him in the head so he would like lose all his memory and it looked like a terrible story in Nightwing but Batman had to respond to that yeah. and Tom King wrote this beautiful story about Dick and Bruce's relationship and he alternated um he alternated Batman and Nightwing like the dialogue stopping or, crime together and Nightwing's trying to get Batman to open up cuz it's right after Catwoman left him at the altar yeah um and Batman won't and then they keep showing flashbacks of like Dick as a kid becoming Robin and it it was so beautifully drawn that I realized reading it I'm like oh I'm glad they did that shitty Nightwing story cuz we got this because of yeah. it yeah and I don't read Nightwing anymore so I didn't yeah. have to sit through that I I feel like when he's done, and he'll be done with Batman Catwoman 12, so there's going to be like another 18 or 20 issues of Tom King doing Batman, and now he's working on a New Gods movie, which is because of Mr. Miracle. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. So he's doing fine. I'm not worried about him. Um, I think we'll look back on this run as something really special. Yeah, oh, definitely, and I think, um, yeah, it'll be, it's currently underrated, and we'll see where where it kind of ends up and you know, five, ten years from now, what people th- say about it. Yeah, and Batman's like that, where Batman's always seems better in hindsight, where you, you put all of this pressure on what Batman is right now. And if he doesn't live to your expectations right now, it's disappointing. Yeah. You know, um, like, oh, I don't like the Ben Affleck Batman. Now Batman sucks. I was watching, um, this morning I was working out and I was watching a second series, Batman the Animated Series. Um, you know, where all the character designs yeah, are different. He's got the black bat. I was watching the episode where Tim Drake becomes Robin. And I was just thinking about when it aired, I was so disappointed. Because I was like, oh man, the, the art's real simplistic. The storyline's not as deep. They're not taking their time with it. It's just like action, action, action. It's yeah. moving really fast. I was like, they don't have the black paper. It doesn't have the depth of the first season. I don't like this. And now watching it, I was like, Oh, this is such an interesting thing that they did for a couple of seasons. Right. Because because it wasn't current, I didn't have a judgment on it. Yeah. It was like, oh, 
uh, well, we were just talking about Batman Returns before we were recording. It's such a weird movie that now it's a gem because there's nothing like it before. Even the 89 Batman is not like it. Yeah, it's not the most current iteration of it. And I think when it kind of lives in this broader catalog of Batman stuff, it's it's like a sliver of it instead of the most modern, newest yeah, iteration. That it can be a little side thing. It can be this little unique right. thing that you can go into when you're like, oh, I'm tired of watching the Nolan trilogy. Right. I'm going to watch something Batman more fantastical. Returns. Yeah. And I think Tom King's run is going to be like that where whoever follows him, I think we'll get an announcement this week. Yeah. Um, Bendis. Probably Bendis because apparently they're reprinting his I Walmart comics. I actually just read the first How issue. How is it? It's pretty good. Okay. It's, I thought about adding it. Yeah. The guy who does the art I really like. Who um, is it? Uh, I'm terrible with names. He, I don't even know what I've seen this the dude new guy? on before. I don't know that he's new. I think he's been around for a minute, but I don't. I think he's been kind of like doing low level stuff. Is it John Romita Senior? No, I think <laughs> I would know. But it's um, it's pretty good, and it's going to be like a Batman team up book. Um, oh, like a Brave and the Bold. Yeah, okay. it seems like uh, Green Arrow shows up. Spoilers for like an eight month old book or whatever. Green Arrow shows up at the end of the this first issue, and then I know Green Lantern is in later issues, and I think maybe they either go back in time or. They go okay. to like the center of the earth where that weird warlord dude hangs out. Oh, is it the Neil Adams I think, guy? I think so. Oh. It's just it, it's it's fun, you know. And I All like right. I like fun. Maybe I'll pick it up. Yeah, I it's mean, worth reading. Yeah. So I think, uh, and so it's likely that they'll give him because I think they want Batman to be the big action book again. Yeah, I think so. And, and it, this is uh, a Bendis is on this book, and uh, it's uh, it's it presumably this is a tryout book. This was a book given to Bendis mm-hmm. of like, here, try Batman because he wanted to do Batman because who doesn't want to do Batman? Right. And it must have been doing good or been enough to where DC was like, okay, he can do it monthly. Well, I think they're testing this out too. They're like, well, if we were printing those as a regular comic, how, how does that, it do? That, that's all because apparently you couldn't find these books in Walmart because collectors uh, snapped them all up. Yes. As a former retailer, it was very frustrating to hear that Bendis, probably the biggest comic book writer, was going to be writing Batman, probably the biggest comic book. And it wasn't going to be available to retailers whilst simultaneously, um, what's his name? We were just talking about Tom King was doing Superman, Superman in that same book. It was like a big hundred page. No, I think there were two different titles because there was also a Wonder Woman one and okay. they weren't available. I thought to it was retailers. an anthology title that had all of those. I don't think so. Unless I'm... they were printed separately later. I don't, I don't know because we weren't able to order them, which is, uh, right. any retailer. And I told never you saw one. I went to a Walmart for the first time in eight months because they have, uh, the worthy Captain America from Endgame. Oh yeah. And I was in that mall and I'm like, all right, I'll look inside and it was gutted. The only thing I found, which I posted to Instagram and Facebook, the only thing I found was a 1994 Richter in an Ebony Maw back box. That was real. That was real. It was on the rack at Walmart. They were selling it again. Somebody put a 25-year-old figure in in an in, in endgame box. I thought that was like a, uh, like a digital. I, I thought no. that was, I didn't know that was real. I took a picture of that sitting on the shelf. Yeah. That's I, insane. I should have added a caption to it because most people were like, oh. I thought it was like a joke. Yeah. People that knew what it was thought it was a joke. And people that didn't know what it was was like, oh, did that figure just come out? Yeah, because <laughs> you collect action figures. Um, I was stunned when I saw it. That's yeah. the only thing I found in Walmart in like a year. Right. So uh, I did not find those comics. Right. They don't exist. Uh, so similarly, I was uh, doing some old uh, rereading of some stuff and then catching up on something. So I didn't. I didn't know any of this at the time. But uh, Saga came out with a third hardcover that goes up to, I believe, issue fifty-four. 
And uh, this is kind of like, well, spoiler free or whatever. I'm not going to spoil anything. But this is like a big break for them. They're going to take like a year off now okay. to come back. And I guess Saga's going to run 108 issues. So this is like the midpoint of the book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd read most of Saga monthly and then at some point dropped off because I got, you know, it t- takes three month hiatus every year. I got confused as to what's going on. I think I missed a couple issues. Right. So I've now reread volume one, two, and three over the course of the last like week and a half because like, uh, what's his name? Uh, Vaughn, uh, Brian K. Brian Vaughn's Vaughn. stuff reads very quickly. So, um, but and I remember kind of being like midway through like the 30s or 40s on this book when I was reading it monthly-ish being like, eh, this, they kind of lost me. I'm not like really digging this book as much or I just, I wasn't feeling it as much. And then- since I since reread it, it reads much better as like a longer form book, mm-hmm. and uh, it's it it's easily uh, the best indie comic I've ever read, easily. And I think a lot of it just becomes from there's serious stakes in this book. They do not chintz about like killing characters. It's like they start the book killing characters you think will be major characters throughout the run that's never going to happen in batman or captain america or spider-man or any of these other books i'm never worried when spider-man runs into a fight i'm like oh i wonder if he's going to survive this but every time one of the characters in saga gets into like a shooting match or like a standoff with a character i'm like these guys might not like live through this it's like they they kill characters pretty uh, regularly in brian k vaughn books it's like he doesn't shy away from it and it, it always just goes to show the freedom the indie car- creators have over the main creators of like not being able to uh, do what they want or have uh, deeper stories. You know, I love Avengers. I'll be reading Avengers as long as they're publishing it. But they're, they're never going to hit the depth of stakes that an indie book is going to have because the characters, they can just kill them. You know, it's like there's actual stakes in the in the book. Um so I would say to anyone that maybe hasn't read Saga or fell off, it's like if you have access or, you know, interested, it's like reading it as like one big run. This is like another thing that's really confusing for me is like I'm not a writer. I don't know how to write anything. But the the ability of a writer to write something that feels like the same story spread out over many, many months, many, many years, and it does still feel like one consistent uh, purposefully driven story is like remarkable to me. It's like uh, the art's incredible. The character design is second to none. It's like just a really, really solid like run. And um, I don't know how this guy fucking does it. <laughs> it's like it's beyond me. And it's like uh, there, I don't know any c- clear defined characters than uh, and then in this book. Yeah, I only read I think the first twelve. You lent them to me. Yeah, or maybe the first eighteen. I got to go back. The first to that. hardcover, it's, maybe. It's one of those I've been meaning to re-engage with for a very long time. Well, if you'd like to let us know what you've been into lately, um, if you are up to date on Saga, uh, and you think that it's not great anymore, yeah, come <laughs> and tell me. Why. Uh, let us know. Start an argument with us. Yeah, I am at not in my book on Twitter and Instagram. That is the official Caffeinated Comics social network feed. Um, we are also on Facebook, facebook.com slash caffeinated comics. That's is our main news site. Uh, and Stephen, how do you get the show? The show can be found, um, on iTunes. Uh, we are also available on Stitcher as well as Spotify. 
And we are proud members of the Radio Misfit Podcast Network. And how do we find you? And occasionally you can find me on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan. And we'll talk to you next week, which will be San Diego Comic Con. So uh, big news. Yeah.